With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. There we go. We are here. It is Thursday. Yes. And we're getting ready to go live on uh, Periscope and Facebook here. Uh, this is Chief Prophet Charlie Price, and I am live today with Prophet Adia Peterson, and we are standing in for the one and only Dr. Paula A. Price, at least for the first hour of this edition of the Paula Price Show. So we're excited to uh, bring you this edition today, and um, she will be uh, joining us uh, at, uh, at later in the program or in the broadcast, so we'll be happy to have her back as well. But in the meantime, we've got some fun things that we're going to talk about today and uh, to get ready to line up for the show. So we're getting ready to go live first on our on our favorite two uh, networks. Can we call them networks? <laughs> Your Facebook be classified as a network. <laughs> Blog talk. So just give us uh, just a moment here. We're getting ready to go live. And bring them on our live audience. And here we are. It looks like we're there. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Yes, yes. You see correctly. No, we are not Dr. Paula A. Price. And yes, this is still the Paula Price show. But we want to officially welcome you to this edition of this broadcast today. Uh, Dr. Price should be joining us later on in the broadcast as she's out there ruling the world apostolically. Praise God. And so we are here standing in uh, for her today. But while we're waiting, we've got some great things that we're going to discuss with you all today on this episode. We've uh, got a little bit of a lineup for you. Want to kind of stay in the same theme a little bit, right, Prophet Adia? Yes, I'm Chief Prophet Tyler Price, by the way, and this is Prophet Adia Peterson, one of uh, Dr. Price's, or should say we are part of Dr. Price's prophetic team and uh, professor team and uh, I say business team. We're just part of the team. That's who we are. We are just part of her team. And so we're going to be going, going ahead and talking about a few things with you guys today in this first hour of the Paula Price Show. Yes. So, Prophet Adia, as you guys know, she is our announcement lady, right? And keeps us, oh, that's what people say about her, but no, that she is the prophet of the air. And she keeps us uh, up to date on what's going on. And we have some great things happening here in the Paula Price universe. So if you have not been keeping up, we want to get you up to speed now in this first hour of the Paula Price show. So tell us, what is happening in the universe of Paula Price? 
All right. Well, the biggest thing that is kind of coming up for us in Paula Price land, if you will, is Price University launches our summer semester in just a few days. We are on the countdown. We're on about a four-day countdown right now. Summer semester starts on April 30th, which is Monday. And let me tell you, the enrollments are coming in. Students are going online, getting themselves registered, and we are excited about what God is doing. So summer semester is the big thing that's coming up April 30th, which is this Monday. You have the opportunity to be involved in our self study series. We've got new classes coming that are coming down the pike for self-study, healing and deliverance, dreams and visions one starts this Monday, prophecies timeline, and divine communications for the young prophet. So I'm just going to give them, should I give them those four classes one more time? Yes, we're going to give you those four classes one more time. And, and before she does do that, what's cool about this particular summer program here with Price University is that we're dedicating this, uh, or calling this, I should say, our Prophets Academy or Prophetic Academy. If you're a prophetic person and you're wanting to know more about yourself prophetically on any level, you don't have to be a prophet, but if you want to know more about yourself prophetically, this summer season and series is dedicated to you. We have a host of classes coming up. I'll let her list the four that are starting this summer, uh, April, Monday, April 30th. The classes will be open for you to go ahead and take those. They're only four weeks long. Yeah. Right? Well, some of them, actually, some of them are longer. Four, so Prophecy Timeline Prophecy Timeline is eight weeks long. Um, Ruling the Supernatural, I can't forget to mention that. Ruling the Supernatural also starts April 30th, eight weeks long as well. Dreams and Visions 1 is four weeks long. Healing and Deliverance is a six-week class. And Divine Communications for the Young Prophet is a six-week class. So these all take off. Yes, yeah, so four, so the classes for self-study in the summer range from four weeks to eight weeks long. Um, and it just, we have the whole summer schedule online at PriceUniversity.org, so you can actually find out when the class that you want to register for begins. But if you are interested in any of the classes that I've mentioned, Prophecies Timeline, Ruling the Supernatural, Healing and Deliverance, Dreams and Visions 1, or Divine Communications for the Young Prophet, you need to register right now because those classes are going to kick off on April 30th. But I should maybe tell them what happens if they're not able to register by the 30th. Oh, yeah, because you know, we're going to get that question. What happens if you're not able to, able to register? And not only that, how cost-effective these classes are. Our Summer yes. Academy is very, very cost-effective. So if you want to just get your uh, initial foundation in the prophetic and, or just uh, continue education, you want to edify yourself, you want to grow and expand in your knowledge and keep yourself sharp in who you are in God, it's very cost-effective to do so. So I'll let you tell them both. Yeah, absolutely. So first things first, what if I can't register by the 30th and class has already begun? The beautiful thing about these classes, we actually allow enrollment for self-study up to about seven to 10 days after the class begins. This is because a lot of this is self-paced and you're able to go online. None of the lectures are live in that moment, so you're able to actually go back. You can listen to your lecture or view your lecture, depending on how your professor has listed that lecture for you, and be able to complete your class requirements as you go along. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can actually register a little late for these classes if you have to. You don't have to miss out on the whole class if you're not able to get yourself ready registered by the 30th, but registration is very simple and easy to do, which leads me into the pricing for these classes. So a four-week class for the summer for self-study is only $55. Four weeks, $55. Four weeks. Guys, that's a dinner out with it's your all. loved ones. That's dinner. 
four weeks and you're able to get your certificate of completion for a self-study class. Yes. So a four-week class is $55. A six-week class is $75. Of course, a few extra weeks of material, just a little bit of extra um, investment there. And then a eight-week class, $100. That's it. So for $55, $75, or $100, you can get yourself educated into the Self-Study Prophetic Academy for the summer. Our second session starts the 28th, and we'll be having new classes will be uh, introduced in the second summer session. You don't want to miss out on what God is doing this summer at Price University. So there's no reason. No reason, no excuses. Log online to priceuniversity.org. Get yourself registered for one of these self-study classes. Don't miss out on this. Yes, and we want you to take advantage of every opportunity here because, uh, of course, you know it's Dr. Price's heart and mission to see to it that prophets and prophetic types, even intercessors, are educated, that we stop doing things in the vacuum and we stop doing things strictly from a, uh, a personal and private devotional standpoint as if we don't expect our uh, ministry, we don't expect our gifts and abilities to really affect or change the lives around us. The reason why you do education and training is, and the reason why every professional, name one profession that doesn't kick off with education and training. I mean, you can't even be a professional basket weaver. They're going to take you to a class, hospitality now, doing events. Who would have ever thought we got to a place that to put on an event, you can go and get a whole degree? Yeah. Okay. Event planning, planning, hospitality, hosting, all of those things start with education. Why? Because anytime you're going to take your gift and take your ability and use it on the public to achieve a particular result, people want you to be educated first so that the results that or the impact, I should say, that you have on that public is all uniform. We want to know when we're dealing with professionals what we should expect and what will be the result of their impact in our lives. Can we honestly say, and I know that you're, you're us as practitioners and having been prophets now, ordained for, oh, oh my gosh, we come on 20 years, 12, 12 years, it's 12 20 years. years of training, y'all, 20, Jesus. I, <laughs> 12 20 years of training, but I appreciate every minute of it. But us being professional practitioners now, can we honestly say across the board as prophets, and even as intercessors, that there is a universal expectation of what will happen when a prophet engages or encounters or your life, okay? Is there something that you can honestly say, okay, that I know what the, what the impact or the effect would be across the board because of a universal or collective method or way in which we entreat our, our job or our position or our office? Would you say that there's a collective thing that people can expect from us? That is what Dr. Price is trying to change. Yeah, absolutely. That when people say that they, because I mean, here, aren't we battling this right now as prophets? I know I do. We get it. Oh, my gosh. When people get on the line with us for doing the assessment or, my God, or, or trying to get advice, the first thing you feel is shield up. Yes. Because they're like, first of all, they want to let you know, I can hear from God for myself. I already have the Holy Spirit. That I eat. I don't really trust you. I don't feel safe. I don't really know what this is all about. And at this stage of the prophetic, that should not be the case. Yeah. That we've been out there this long and people still are leery of their encounters with prophets because the experience is so across the board. Yeah. Okay, it is so diverse, and from people having quality experiences to people walking away with a holy fear, yeah. okay, of prophets and what they're going to say or what a prophecy or a prophet has done to their lives. Mm-hmm. And so as officers, one of the first things that makes us officers is that we have to take responsibility for that. 
for the reputation and the impact of our institution in society. That is one way to know that you're really called to the office versus just being a gift expression. A gift expression cares about doing exactly that, expressing their gift, getting their word out, sharing their message, connecting with people, and letting the world know they can hear from God. There's nothing wrong with those things. They are important. But when we're talking about what really distinguishes an officer is that they care about the establishment and the sustainability, the reputation, and the perpetuity of the position. Okay? And this is not just in the prophetic field. Uh, you encounter this in your everyday life. Let's look at lawyers. Okay? They have a bar association because they care about the impact that the law a professional is going to have. Okay, so they care about the universality that anytime you encounter a lawyer, you know what to expect. Now, quality aside, because we all know, just like in, in, with profits too, lawyers are no different. You got good ones mm-hmm. and you got bad ones. Some that do, do, do you a great service and others that you like, oh, my gosh. And I've, we've seen both. But the difference between a lawyer who does you a disservice and a profit is that a lawyer has the bar association, which are the officers that regulate the industry and that hold that lawyer accountable to the universal practices and standards of the industry. So you have an appeal. Mm -hmm. When somebody wrecks your life with a prophecy, you just go to God and scream. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) And then, and it may even disrupt your relationship with God, perhaps his church, his, his other ministers, and even your ability to grow and pursue and even go after his purpose and destiny in your life. Sometimes prophecies have caused people to stagnate for years because they don't know what just happened to them. And there's no other place that you can go to appeal, to say, oh, my gosh, this just wrecked shot my life. What do I do? Now, if you're a, a, an astute, a mature Christian, you might just blow it off and say, I don't know, that wasn't God, I don't care, and I'm going to just keep moving. But if you're really in that place in your life when you're trying to really genuinely connect with God on an issue, it can be uh, very sabotage. It can be a saboteur to purpose and destiny. That is what Dr. Price is trying to correct. We think that it's just about, you know, trying to sit on, like she said last week in the broadcast, sitting on your gift, squashing your ability to express yourself. No. It's not, mm, you know you've grown in the prophetic when you get past the need to just express yourself and care about what your expression does to someone else. Absolutely. That's when you know you're in your gift to office transition, mm-hmm. when you're transitioning out of just wanting to be a gift model, out of just wanting to be a mouthpiece or an oracle. You know you're transitioning out of that when all of a sudden you stop and think, wait a minute, but this is somebody's life here. This is somebody's destiny. And this is God's reputation. When you want to start taking responsibility and ownership for those three things, you know you're transitioning out of a gift-only expression or model, or technique is what they call it, of ministry, and now you're ready to start taking on officership because officership is responsibility. It, it, it doesn't care about all of those other things. It cares about the responsibility it has first to its God, second, to his reputation and his character of that throne, and third, to his people, and fourth, to what he wants to achieve through that word in the lives of his people. When you get to that place that those things become your, uh, your passion and your drive for why you do this, then you know that you're shifting out of gift to office. Now, understand, the gift season is very important. 
which is why we're encouraging you guys to get in part of the, be a part of the academy because a lot of the, the, the classes that we're dealing with this summer on the prophetic are for gifters, are for people who are awakening, for stepping into their gifts, want to mature in that, want to understand more about it. We save a lot of the officer stuff for those that don't go after them, them upper-level degrees and things. Because if you're going to be sitting in a seat where you're going to be regulating and, and, and causing the spirit of the prophet to be subject to the prophet, then you need a higher level of education. But gifting is important. We don't uh, bypass that season. That's the only way you know that God is truly using you, okay? It has to start with you recognizing, oh, I have an ability to hear, doesn't it? It has to start there. If you don't start there, then you won't know. It has to start with our first course for the summer, Dreams and Visions, okay? Numbers 12.6, okay? If there be a prophet among you, I will make myself known to him in a dream and vision. Okay, so you have to have those things because those are God's overtures letting you know that he's ready to call you into service. So he starts upping his communications with you and intensifying those interactions. And it's very private. It's very personal. It typically, would you say, takes place in the front class. Oh, absolutely. So it's a private experience. It's a personal experience. So it is just you and God, and he wants it that way. He wants you to bond with him spirit to spirit in that process as he's beginning to open up that prophet's womb to make it a vessel or an instrument, a conduit for him to use for himself. So that season is very rich. It's very powerful. It's very important. It just isn't the foundation or the totality of why the position exists. Prophets don't exist for that, but they start there. So they can get that channel of communications going and know that God is trying to use them, which is why he takes the time to do it. And it's hard to break from because, Lord knows, you remember your prophetic awakening experience when God started opening you up? Yeah. I remember the fact that it, you know, when you first, when this first starts happening, it's rich and it's powerful. The God's uh, presence in your life is so profound. He steps up in such a pronounced way. First of all, you get this insatiable desire to want, A, to get away from everybody you know. I mean, you know, is that true? He, instinctually, you start separating yourself and going into a consecratory posture. Absolutely. And you don't know why it is, but you just are drawn. He draws you in by his spirit. He just draws you into this closed chamber, okay, under the shadow of the almighty, if you will, uh, time with him. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I, I think that that part of the process is really, really important, especially for prophets who ultimately are going to serve God in that prophet's capacity and beyond the gift because the communion with God is really, really important. You know, yes. as Dr. Price mentions in her book, The Prophet's Handbook, many times, prophets exist for God. You know, we are, yes, we're his mouthpiece, we're an extension of his thoughts, his desires, his will, his plans. Yes. And in order for us to get to that place where we're, when we speak, that we are speaking from a, a place of authentic, sincere, and genuine communication from God, the relationship has to be built first. So I think that awakening piece is really, really important because it's building relationship. It's building communion. Look at how Samuel, God appearing to Samuel. When you read the end of 1 Samuel 3, a lot of people miss this verse, but it talks about this. says the Lord appeared to Samuel many times in that same place. 
And so you understand that they had communion together. They had fellowship together. Samuel's one of the most prolific prophets of our time. And think about that. Think about the bond that they shared. Mm -hmm. You know, God bonds with prophets. That is that Numbers 12, 6. You know, God bonds with prophets. He really steps up in your face. And in order for you to get to that level where later on you can be a prophet that's trusted, because, I mean, we have prophets, all kinds of prophets. Not all prophets are trustworthy, but to be a prophet that is trustworthy, where where you, you you can recognize that what's coming out of their mouth is bonafide from the spirit of God, that takes relationship. That takes communion. That yes. takes separation, consecration. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. takes actual time spent with the Lord where you, you know this man enough to represent him. Right. So I think that that awakening time is so intense for that reason. And it's, it is crucial because there, Dr. Price makes this very clear. She doesn't, uh, it's, it's not in the prophet's handbook. It's actually in one of her courses. But she makes it very clear that when your prophet spirit is uh, first opening up, that that consecration time is important because there's a difference between a spiritual awakening and then your prophetic awakening. Mm-hmm. Because a spiritual awakening, many of us had, when you go back and read the native a- attributes listed in that book, and I believe we even have uh, an article that points to that online. Yeah. Okay? When you go back and read those native attributes of the prophet, a lot of it talks about our natural inherent proclivity toward the supernatural. You have an insatiable, an automatic insatiable desire for supernatural things. Yeah. So many times, in fact, when she talks about the childhood induction, uh, many times, and Samuel would be a, 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 an example of that, when we're young, we get awakened spiritually yeah. quick. Because when, those, when the enemy knows that you have that uh, 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 capability, when that uh, spiritual apparatus called the prophet spirit is uh, built on the inside of you, he tries to strike that cord first. He wants to be the first thing that splits open that wound. Yeah. And so many of us, when you are a, a child, always were fascinated with supernatural things and probably even had to struggle with that fascination, whether it was, it was showing up because you were interested in a lot of horror films, oh, my gosh, you're attracted to, you want to watch things about zombies and vampires and this and devils and all of that kind of stuff. He is always the first person out the gate. I told you I have that. This is my biblical running joke about God, okay, that it, in the contest between him and the devil, he always lets the devil go first every time. You go first. You, we're going to have a contest. Okay, yeah, you go first. So he always lets him go first, and he always comes after to literally purge that mess because God wants to judge sin or deal with sin when it's full grown. So a lot of times he comes after the, the enemy has planted his thing and allows it to turn into what it's going to turn into, bear all the fruit it's going to bear because I'm going to burn all of that at once. So a lot of times when we are being prophetically or spiritually awakened, okay, uh, it's particularly in our youth, that fascination for the supernatural comes first. Which is why when a lot of prophets are coming into the prophetic, and I have to often deal with them in the mentorship situation, they are fascinated with devils. They are fascinated with demons. They are fascinated with the depths of hell. And if, oh, isn't it true? And if you don't uh, literally groom a prophet the right way and bring them into that appropriate uh, awakening process, especially when God's calling you to service, because when you're spiritually awakened, you're just attracted to the supernatural. You're going to be binding everything. You're going to see something under every light, every tree. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a devil in every corner. I mean, someone told me they saw the devil coming through their television, uh, doing, watching a, a program. And listen, all of that stuff is going to be there and real because when you're spiritually awakened, you're open to the entire supernatural. Yeah. So it's like a ra- your spirit, your prophet's spirit, when it's spiritually awakened, is like a radio tower. It picks up everything that flies by. Mm-hmm. 
when God is ready to start using you for his service, okay, and consecrating you and sanctifying you for his purposes, he separates you and begins the process through that separation of scrambling that signal so that you can tap into one singular, holy, holistic frequency. If you don't have that time of consecration, which will consist of voracious Bible study, very intimate worship, and hours of, of, of prayer and travail, you can end up becoming accidentally a hybrid prophet or one that is prone or always susceptible to divination because you didn't close down that signal. There's a reason why our, our cell phone, AT&T signal, only comes to this cell phone that happens to be the company that we're with, but only comes to this cell phone and not Verizon interrupting and not Sprint and all of that because the signal is scrambled. It's encrypted so that only the providers receive that. Y'all been kept me saying yeah, only the providers. So when yeah. God, when we deal with Amos 3.8 and we talk about surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing his secret to his servant, the prophets. There are a lot of prophets out there and God used all of them, but not all of them were his servants. Not all of them had the encrypted access to that signal from the almighty only. And that's what we have to understand that this process is really about. So when you're spiritually awakened, you're going to find every devil under every tree because the first level, the first layer that you're going to encounter in this is going to be the demonic layer. You have to go through the demonic layer. You have to press through the darkness to get to the light. He said the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening come first. So the darkness always precedes the light. And you have to fight your way through that in order to get to that frequency or that strata of God. Dr. Price makes a distinction in her book. Uh, I believe it's in Before the Garden. It's not in these two here, but it's in Before the Garden between the supernatural realm, which is occupied by any kind of divine or spiritual being, okay, out there that, that God uh, uses, okay, or that is having some, some kind of engagement with our world, and then the supernal realm of God which is the mountain of God. You ever notice that he makes a difference about where he's at? He always says that you got to come up to the mount of God. Even right down to the book of Revelation, we got the world, we have, I'm sorry, we have the heavens, we have the earth, and then we got this mountain, the mount of God. So he has his own strata and own realm where he governs from. And you have to literally, God has to literally put you through a whole entire sanctification and purging process so that you can, be, you can have access to that realm. Because his servants have access to that. Classic example. Classic example, Daniel. Daniel is perfect example of that. Now, we already know his story. He gets, you know, taken out of captivity around 16 years old, is put into uh, the um, uh, uh, court of uh, Nebuchadnezzar as a, well, they're trying to groom him to be a wise man, Okay a astrologer, a soothsayer, be among all of his, his uh, prophetic or divine divinatory staff. So he's drafted, doesn't have a choice, by the way, because that's what happens when your land gets taken over, okay? You come under the dominion of the deity of that king. So he had to go through this process. We know the story. He's trained by the eunuch, they, and he asked him, hey, we want to, and what does Daniel do immediately? To preserve himself and to make sure that he can keep the connection with his God the first thing he does is fast and consecrate and separate himself from it. He would not eat their food. He would not participate in those things so that he can keep his channel and connection 
pure. Because you're talking about he's now being trained with thousands of astrologers, witches, warlocks, you name it. We don't understand what Daniel's world was like. Every kind of demonic and supernatural thing, the Magi, if you go and look at the history of the Magi, he is being trained with that. Now, imagine you have to do your prophetic class next to a devil. Now, you trying to hear from God. You trying to, okay, right. stay faithful uh-huh. to Yahweh, and you in a training class with a devil. Some of you might be. What? <laughs> well, don't leave that. Praying for you. Where it is. You just might be. Okay, so you're going to some sort of psychic uh, training program, okay, so that you can learn how to access and move in and out the supernatural, and you work for Jesus. You want to work for Jesus Christ. Yeah. How difficult and challenging the, dex- the spiritual dexterity it took Daniel yeah. to know. Okay? Not only does the separation help and the prayer help, but it makes him ten times better. That fasting, the Daniel fast was not just about emptying his soul out, which is important. He had to. Okay? Emptying his soul out and, and, and making himself humble and accessible to God. It was also about God removing everything out of him that would be susceptible to, dark, to darkness and replacing that power with his own. Yeah. Dr. Price told me one time, she said, but fasting is not just about emptying out, it's about taking something on. Because God said we're not supposed to leave anything empty, no dry places for anything. She said it's about taking on another power. When God wants you to take on another power or take on a higher dimension of who he is and how he was, is going to use you, he will send you on an intense fast. We fast just because we're broken, because we've sinned, and there's, you know, there's times for that atoning thing. But when you're fasting like Daniel, it's because you're about to be positioned to take on power. You're about to go head-to-head with the authorities. It happened with Jesus Christ. Moses had to take on, come on. When he was about to, A, first of all, God had to empower him to take on Egypt. But after Egypt, he was about to take on the legislation of the government of God and did 40 days up in that mountain twice. So every time God's about to elevate you to the point where he's about to use you for himself in that kind of way, he will separate you. You will go on that fast. Jesus had to dump his his little soul here, his little humanity, so he can come back out of that wilderness as the Messiah. He had to shed the, oh, I want y'all to hear something today, though. He had to shed the vehicle that got him into the planet to take on the reason he was there. Because, see, the flesh, the human, was the humanity, come on, that sperm, the egg, Mary, all of that, the womb was the vehicle to get him here. So he had to go and say, now I got to take off the vehicle. I got to strip off the garment that got me here so that I can now be what I am to this world, what I am called to be and why I was here in this planet. And there's sometimes, and that's what fasting will do, will cause you to shed or shed your humanity, shed that iniquity, shed that fallen self, so that you can be that divine creator representative in this world. Because you have to shed the vehicle that got you here, not the identity that's crafting you. Because there's a vehicle that got you in the planet, your humanity. And Jesus said it, Adam, the first Adam gave us a body to work with. That's all we got from him was a body. But he kept the quickening spirit, that life-giving spirit, your spirit of eternal life. He kept that in Jesus Christ. So that at any time, when he bonded himself with you, he can say, it's now time for you to shed the vehicle that got you there and take on the person that you really are. Yeah. 
Now we're shedding that. You were born in iniquity, but you were created by God for good works. You're his workmanship. He said, I'm going to shed the vehicle. Thank you, Adam, for getting us here. You're going to get on out of that. Now it's time for us to be who we are. Okay? It'd be like somebody coming here as, as some sort of alien, coming, stepping out of their alien body, and boom, becoming the, the, the person or the human they're supposed to be. You'd be like, oh, it's just a, what is this? What is this? And that's really what it is. Humanity was Jesus' cover story. It was the way he could slip himself into the planet and seize control over it again. And so God will send you on those fasts and send you in those places to shed that self. You've got to shed the vehicle that brought you here. You were shaped in iniquity. That iniquity has to be shed. That's the vehicle that got you here. That's the loins that got you here. That fallen nature is what got you here. That first Adam got you here. But it's the second Adam that is the true identity of who you are. And you've got to reveal the second Adam that's hiding in the iniquity, in the mess of the first, because Jesus was in Adam's loins when he fell. But he was using Adam as a vehicle that would get him into this world. So you got to shed the vehicle of the first Adam so that the, the second Adam, the real thing, can be born. It was hiding in that clay, this treasure. That's why Jesus could say that. Paul could know it. He said, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Because the earthen vessel was the vehicle. The objective was the treasure. And we have to recognize that. So when you step inside of that fasting time, even as a prophet or anybody who God is calling to a high calling, he'll have you do that. Because he said, okay, baby, it's time to shed the earthen vessel and be the treasure. And show the world the treasure that was hidden within. Christ in us. The hope of glory. So glory is hidden in this vessel. And we get so caught up in the vehicle, do we not? We just spend a whole gospel time, okay, everything about our gospel message about uh, petting the vehicle. We fallen, we messy, we sinners, we can't do it. Everything's about betting, uh, okay, petting your vehicle. Mm -hmm. That was just the method of how you got here. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She taught us that we, we literally were created in heaven sat with God a whole day in communion. When you talked about that communion, which is why communion is important. Communing with him and knowing him. We sat in this man's womb for a whole day called the Sabbath. And then he put us in the planet and then made us a living soul. See, the living soul was the vehicle for us to be here on earth. But who we were was what was made on that sixth day that sat with God on that seventh day, and that came back through Jesus Christ. So we have to shed that. That's why the consecration, that's why sanctification is important. Because we teach sanctification as it's just to keep you from doing bad things. And, oh, yeah, you're a real Exactly. Mm-hmm. That you're a real, no, you're a deep Christian if you want to be sanctified. You know that, right? And you, you will be. You will be. You will be. <laughs> but we don't teach it as if it's necessary for our success and the things that God has given us to do. You know, these prophets that we admire, the people that we admire because of their power with God, because of their influence, their ability to literally move heaven and earth. But it was also because of their sacrifice to this life. 
and their, their willingness to lay down their bond to this culture. Right now, one of the major, major battles that we have, especially with young prophets, um, especially with up-and-coming prophets and even up-and-coming apostles, this battle that we have for, you know, those that believe that they can literally hang on to everything that's valuable in this earth, everything that's valuable in this culture. And what we're trying to do now is just turn it around and see how we can use it for God and still get some, some kind of advantage of it. When everyone that came before us that was powerful, that was influential, that was used by God, got rid of it. They didn't use it. They weren't trying to figure out how to use it. They were figuring out how to ditch it, and that's our, that's our issue. I love what you said today because that's, that's part of our issue. Those that move Daniels of our era, those are being people who are willing to ditch all of this, not worshiping it, not trying to find a way to preserve it, to preserve their cultural edge while still trying to move in God and trying to prove I can still have all this filth and deadness on me, and look at me, I can still move in God. The people who had real power with God ditched all of it, and that's what Paul was trying to say. Well, the people who know God knows that you're not moving God's power. You're moving devils. And that's what they can. Well, because that's what they, well, what, isn't that the battle that Jesus had? Yes. They said, but, uh, Jay said to him, but you casting out um, devils by the spirit of Beelzebub. And he said, but then who are your people casting them out by? To let you know that they were also casting out demons. That Jesus right. didn't come with being the first person to cast out a demon. Clearly, Mm-mm-mm. because he went ahead yeah. and, and challenged them. He said, but who y'all doing it by? Who you casting out a devil by? If I'm doing it by the devil, then what you doing? Because they were moving power. It was not unusual yeah. for devils to negotiate with one another to be relocated so that another devil can take over that region or that person or that soul. That was okay. So we cannot look at the exploits. Which is why Jesus said, you can cast out devils in my name. You can do all of these things in my name. And I would still say, I never knew you. Because you never communed with your God. You never connected with your God. You never converted your soul to your God. So you, even though your outward abilities are expressing all of these things, and you can use them as a gift. Here's the deal about the gift. The gift is your own. It's your own. It's an endowment. That's why they're without repentance, which is why uh, uh, David said he, that, that God gave them even to the rebellious. They're, your gift is your own. Your abilities are inherent in your makeup. They are your own. Yeah. yeah. So the gift belongs to you. So the gift, you can do with it whatever you want to. You can express it however you want to. So at the end of the day, what Jesus Christ is going for and the reason why he is giving you these powers is so that people's souls can be converted. And we need to convert the soul. And so when Jesus comes and sees that you don't have the same soul, he's like, what? I, don't, I never knew you because you, your soul does not reflect me. So we can do all of those things. Okay, we can we can continue to, you know, mix all of those waters. But the reason why we don't have a prophet among us that's like Daniel is because he never did it. He was among every the culture. You can't be in a hot bed of demonism Come on. as much as Daniel mm-hmm. and not be tainted unless you are committed to your God. So Daniel allowed himself to be purified and stay sanctified to his God. So that all none of those gods, they were like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And not only that, so that he could keep the right channel. So we're coming back to what we said before about why you need to scramble that signal and why the consecration process is important. Yeah. Talking about Daniel. Now this man 
is after he graduates, he's been told that he's 10 times better, automatically get a promotion. He's like, okay. They already see the excellency of the power, right, just then and there. Get the promotion, but that promotion is tested. You never get into a promotion and your promotion not be tested. Praise God. So the promotion is tested. And what happens? He's going around. This man has a dream, okay, a dream that scares the, the living daylight out of him so much so he can't even remember it. Okay, he can't even remember the dream. So traumatized, can't even remember the dream. But yet wants an interpretation of it because it left such an indelible mark on your soul. How many of you guys have ever had a dream that was so deep you wake up and it's still you still feel it, but you can't recall the deep, your mind, your natural mind, cannot recall the details or the facts of what just happened? You're going to love learning about that in the Dreams and Visions course. Just thought I'd make a brief plug right, right then and there. That's coming up. All right, there's two, there's two levels of that. Okay, and so he has his dream, and if he's traumatized, he can't remember, and now he's going on the, a, a, a rampage like a king would do. They bring me every everybody I got, the soothsayer, the prognosticator, the astrologer, the magi, bring me the warlock, the witch, the encanter, okay, the medium. I need everybody. Everybody's yeah. ability, front and center. Y'all need to tell me. I had this dream. Now I need you to tell me the dream and tell me what it means. Uh-huh. But if, if, if your majesty would be so kind, you should just tell us what the dream actually is. I'm sure we can give him an interpretation. I can't remember. Okay? Isn't that what I have you for? Ain't you an oracle? Can't you read the future? Can't you tell the time? You out here, I got paid. They're paying y'all. They ain't paying y'all, but we're quiet with y'all. Because you know that they take the pay by the fact that they were not killed. And they get to live in the court. Okay? Ain't you in my court? I thought you pitted you all in my court. You're right here reading the signs all day long, doing all of this stuff. I got more smoke and mirrors and dust flying around this place. And y'all can't tell me. No, we really can't tell you. But Daniel's ability and sanctification... Yes. Having his signal scramble to only one frequency. So he wasn't hearing all of the devils that were supplying the information to Nebuchadnezzar's staff. Because they all were hearing. Now imagine being in that room. Imagine having an intercessory session with an incantator, a person who's new and medium, another person who's working booth. Imagine being in the room and you have to hear from your God and you got all of these people calling up. All of their stuff. Yeah. You got stuff happening all over the place, using every kind of opioid, using every, okay, father, they doing everything because their lives are on the line. Can you imagine the spiritual blue that's happening behind the scenes? And somehow Daniel has to be able to shoot past all of that and hear from his God. And smart enough to know that in all of those machinations and all of that manifestation that was happening, his God wasn't in it. And somehow Nebuchadnezzar knew too. Now, y'all explained that mystery, how they knew that there was, in all of the spirituality, there was somebody, the creator, ain't speaking. So he has to go and tell the king in his wisdom after a few, after that crew died, when they saw all them bodies coming out of the king's court, I'm sure they were like, listen, <laughs> we got to do something because we're going to be next. In his maturity and wisdom, Daniel said, listen. King will permit me three days. I'm going to go pray. And I'll come back with an answer. Or you're going to have my head. That's what they didn't say, right? But the reality <laughs> is that was understood. Half of the astrologers and everybody else was already being killed. Okay? In mass because he's on a rampage. That's what happens when you have a terrified leader. Okay? They go on a rampage. 
the maturity of that is that most of us, as this how you know that it was a seasoning of, of his position in his office, because most of us as prophets would have tried to make us something right there on the spot. One thing I've learned in my years of doing this is that I no longer feel at the behest to have to come up with something instantaneously because somebody wants to use me as their personal oracle. So when I recognize I'm not your personal oracle, I already have a deity that I'm responsible to, and my job is to represent that deity's mind, will, and emotions on your matter. Not your mind, not your will, not your emotions, not what anybody else wants, but what he wants. See, oracles only need to see. They don't need to interpret, analyze, understand. It doesn't even have to be relevant. So when I realized that as a prophet, you, you have to be careful to not be drawn into that, where they're like, okay, I'm not your group, personal guru. Give me a, oh, you, oh, you a, prophet? you a prophet? Well, prove it. No, no, no. They did that to Jesus Christ. He said, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. It's called Jonah. Okay, he was not going to allow his abilities to be used by the will and the, the corrupt desires of the people mm-hmm. because he knew that they did not want it because they wanted to believe on him. Yeah. Yeah. And so he went and he said, listen, I'm going to take three days. When you don't have an answer and you don't know what to say and what to do, you don't have to let your ego get out in front of you as a prophet. You can go on pause and say, give me time to go consult because you are a contracted person. You do not work for yourself. You're not an independent agent, unless you're Balaam. You're not an independent agent. You work for a, a, a prophet by definition is a spokesperson for a deity. So you work for a deity, yeah. which means you need to have time to consult with him because he's a living being. He's not the Ten Commandments on stone, and you can just go read and say, okay, I hope that I'm interpreting this law correctly. No, he is a living being. The word of God is living. So he is a living being. It's a living relationship and dynamic you have with him. So you have to be able to go back and say, okay, um, you see, we have a problem. And sometimes if you go back and you wait for that word as we learn from Daniel, you get the whole picture. Because a lot of times we see when we have to prophesy right there on the spot. I mean, there are definitely moments when that happens, you know, when you're in a presbytery line at a conference, okay, like you can't go back. But when you have that opportunity to do that, that experience becomes richer and richer and richer. I remember there was a woman who had called into our offices once, and I had given her a prophetic advisement once, and she, she wrote me because she was really needing a word on something. And in that moment, nothing. And so instead of just throwing her back something, say, you know, sis, God's going to do it, just keep trusting God, I said, let me take a moment. Daniellic moment. I want to pray. I want to pray about this. Go home, pray about it. God opens her entire book to me. Shows me from now to seven, eight months from now, and was able to actually give her a full mature word after spending time in the Spirit of God to actually hear what He was saying to this woman, rather than feeling pressure to just give her a prophetic intel in the spot that would have been half it. It would have been me relying on my prophetic experience, which is a lot of what you're getting from prophets today their prophetic experience, you know what I mean? They're just, sure, their prophetic hunches, uh, man of God, this is what God is doing. You know what I mean? But when you have that opportunity mm-hmm. to have that, that mature prophetic word, I'm telling you, that thing is complete. And God gave me from start to finish what she needed to do. But it, was, it, t- it took that time. Mm-hmm. It took that Daniela moment to go to back and to actually seek God about her, about her life. Absolutely. And I think you're saying something that's very key as to also the difference between the gift versus the office and a, a new prophet and a, a high, even a high-functioning gift. Yeah. Okay, and that is when you first start, you're moving largely by discernment and impressions, instincts, yeah. unctions, 
hunches, and intuition. All of those are pretty much uh, nonverbal. It would be almost like me communicating a prophecy to you in sign language or by body language, not even sign, because sign is an actual communication. Body language. Mm-hmm. Okay, where you can pick up by the body language, okay, okay, you're happy, you're mad, you're this, you're just kidding. It's not verbal. Your prophet spirit has to grow to the place that it can actually receive audible or full, uh, uh, fully mature communications or sentences from God. It's like a baby. A baby, when they first communicate, okay, it's grunts, it's noises, it's sounds, it's all of that kind of stuff. It's not full-level communication, and what they hear from you is not full-level communication. Okay, they're not regi- they're not registering that their faculties have to mature to the point that they can actually begin to discern the verbiage and the language. And it's the same thing when you're first opening up your prophet's spirit to hear from God, which is why most of our words when we first begin sometimes are monosyllables. Okay, God said go, God said come, God said do, God said this, and they're not very long things because you're growing in your uh, ability to hear from him. He recognizes that your prophet spirit is also maturing and budding and all of that when you are a budding prophet or just a budding prophetic person. And if you're uh, an intercessor or someone like that, a psalmist, you may, you know, that communication may or may not advance to a, a different degree or not. But the reality is that you have to allow that season and that time for your prophet spirit to grow so that you can get to the place that you can give somebody not only a full message, but also the wisdom, okay, the proper interpretation and the intent, the purpose for which the word is being sent, which is so important. And why, why, why do I want to take a moment to talk about that knowledge? Because you mentioned presbytery lines. Yeah. And what happens to us a lot of presbytery lines is that you are getting an initial whatever, deposit, seed, a seminal, Sometimes you might be getting a germ of a, a wider thing that God is doing. Yeah. We see in part, we prophesy in part, and then we really in part, when you're trying to move through a presbytery line, you got 900 people, okay? So somebody gives you, oh, my gosh, yes. But, yes, they left us there until the cows came. But that's all right. That's okay. We went to Curacao, and everybody came. Uh, yes, uh, there was a lot of people. 800. 800. We prophesied to, eight, uh, my God, more than the prophets of Jesus, the fight with Elijah. My God, but we went ahead and prophesied to those people. But when you're in those moments like that and you're just getting that kind of word, what we do now because we have the, uh, 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 the um, institution to do so is that we invite people to call us later so that yeah. we can walk through that with them. A lot of times you hear a word and you're like, all I have is this word, and that's it. And I don't know what to do with it. You don't know what the next steps are. You go home, you pray, you seek God, you do those traditional things. But after that, it's like, what do we do? Okay, God, like it's in your journal and you read it every now and then, kind of pull it out like they an honorary reading like they did the law and remember that God said something about your destiny and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you don't have anything else to do with it. And so what you're going to enjoy if you register for the prophecy timeline class is that it tells you what to do with your prophecy as a nonprofit person. Okay, and it, it's good for prophets, too, because a lot of us don't know what happens to prophecy after we speak it. Absolutely. We just drop in and go on with our lives. But prophecy timeline will help you to know how to cooperate with your prophecy, how to walk through it, to know its stage. How many of you all know that prophecy doesn't come to pass instantaneously or all at one push or one moment? We think it all just kind of plops on your life like magic. Boom. And it comes out uh, complete and as whole as the word you heard it. No. Prophecy has to be built into the planet. It has to come in, has to be built in our world, stage by stage and phase by phase. So 
prophecy timeline, which is a, a course that Dr. Price developed uh, a while ago for that purpose to help people understand the stages and phases their prophecy is in. To know if you're at the conception when the prophecy is just now being conceived and just now going through the process of coming into the hearing of the ear, being met with faith so that it can begin the process of, of production and manufacture versus when it's actually being constructed versus when it's on its way or just before the stages of fulfillment. She does a great job at that. She lets you know. In fact, here's the reason why you want to take the course, because she lets you know how to read the, the, the way God communicates with you. How he communicated the prophecy to you will be an indicator of what season or time your prophecy is in how it's communicated to you. So you can have several prophets who can give you the same word. They can give you, okay, you have many of us have that happen where you just kind of start getting a, getting a word or a repeat from what somebody else said. And you, you're like, okay, God, I, I, this must mean that God wants it to happen, but I don't know. I don't see how it's, it's manifesting in my life. I don't know what to do. Da, 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 da. Just something as simple as knowing how much information God gives you about a prophecy, knowing what stage it's in. If he does not give you a whole lot of information, that means that he wants you to, uh, he wants to impregnate that word in your spirit and have that thing be nurtured by faith so that when the time and season comes of all the other pieces coming together, you'll be ready to move or you'll know that it's him to move when he starts pulling things together. But it doesn't mean that that prophecy is ready to come to pass right then and there. And it can help a lot of us because I know that there have been times that I just knew because, you know, prophecy is spoken outside of time. So there, because there is no time or space, you think it's immediate. You're living in the moment of the fulfillment of that word. And when you come out of that, that moment with God, out of that prayer moment, out of that vision, out of that dream, you're like, what? And then we're talking about that, that was like 10 years ago. You think about Abraham. Abraham, 20 years to get Isaac. 25, yes, sorry, 25 years to get Isaac. It was 20 years for David to get to the throne. But 25 years. Yes. And he had, Okay. And when God told him, he would have thought that word was coming tomorrow. Him right. and Sarah was like, hey, tomorrow it's going to be, oh, Woo. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And then, and it, then wasn't. it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm going to die. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. We cannot see this word fulfilled. Because he didn't recognize that God had to turn around and take what was an invisible word and make it a material thing so that he can have it in this world. In my world, Isaac exists. We already got a spirit for him. We already know. He's ready to go. But we've got to build that in your world. Yeah. And that too, that, that God, we understand from that scenario and many others, that literally the word of God creates the scenario on earth for that word to happen. Yes. So that word of God creates the possibility of that word coming to pass. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that immediately all that work is done. Because if you look at how God uses his word, Everything is beforehand. You know what I mean? He prophesied Josiah many years before he came into the planet. So clearly God knows something we don't about his word and what it actually begins to initiate. So clearly his word initiates a prophecy to come to pass. But in our minds, you know what I mean, it, as soon as he speaks that thing to you, it's, you're looking for it. It's done. You know what I mean? It's finished, yes. But his word really creates the possibility for that word to become tangible. Absolutely. And when we think about it, okay, it is, that's very good. When we think about it, that's the creation story. 
When yeah. you think about the fact that he said, let there be, and then let there be, and then let there be, and then he turns around and said, but there was no herb in the field, yeah. and there was no man. Like, what, 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 happened with what was all of that? I thought we just created all that because that was the initiation. Absolutely. So every every natural thing has to have a spiritual body first, yes. and then a natural body, and there's a process to getting that in the planet. What you're going to like about the Prophecy Timeline course, which I believe is 12 weeks. The Prophecy Timeline course is the eight week course. Eight weeks. Twelve weeks of biblical psychology. That's why she has to be here. <laughs> so, uh, but the eight-week course, what you're going to like about it is that she told you, she talks you through how that process works and what the mechanics are. One thing that Dr. Price taught us that helped us begin to think differently about prophecy and and, and literally uh, differentiate manifestation from magic is we think God works magic and it's really a manifestation, something that He sets in motion way ahead before He needs it. Yeah. Okay, so before he actually needed Isaac to show up, he mm-hmm. already started the process. He had to speak it into existence yeah. and start the process in the planet. Because what happens is that after prophecy is spoken out to you, it now goes from God's world and comes into ours. Yes. And Dr. Price uh, explains this in the course very well. It takes on the properties, okay, the rules, and, and the regulations of earth. It comes under earth's dominion, under earth's property, and under earth's laws. That includes the laws of physics, the laws of nature, the laws of biology, but also the laws of sin and death, which can be very, uh, make it very difficult for God's word to come forth because that's in opposition. Yeah. To what he's trying to do. So it's also coming under the laws or under the frustration of the sons of disobedience. So it has to work through our everyday existence here. So when you take the course, that eight-week course, it's worth the $75 or whatever, mm-hmm. hundred that it is. It's worth it just for you to come out of frustration. You'll be able to literally, she encourages you to, uh, take the course with a prophecy that you've been waiting on the Lord for in mind so that she can help you walk through that. So you can analyze your prophecy and see where God is with it. And then some of you guys were like, man, I really thought I missed it. That prophet missed it. He's just gone and it's just over. Okay. Other of you, other of you will realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in this window. I need to move this. I need to do that. There's some logistical things that I need to do. Because prophecy is not given a calendar date unless God is uh, literally coming up on the date of manifestation or fulfillment of that word. But when it's first conceived or spoken to you as a conception, it's not given a calendar date. And it's not on purpose because what's propelling it forward is not the number of days in our, you know, uh, 24-hour clock. What's propelling it forward are events, logistics, things that we do, responses. Okay, our response or non-responsiveness, other people's response or non-responsiveness. So it's dealing with the human interaction, the human affairs, and human events that are literally uh, uh, setting the pace for how that word is going to come to pass in the earth. So you'll really appreciate the prophecy timeline for that reason, so that you can understand how prophecy works and be less frustrated, okay, with God, his messengers, and even with where you are in your own life. And you'll be able to better cooperate with him when he's asking you to do certain things. Because a lot of times, like, well, I'll do it, or I need 85 confirmations before I know that that's God. And what ends up happening is that you, okay, you'll end up slowing down your own timeline. Okay, and frustrating your prophecy's progress because your faith isn't ready to produce that word. And, and we, God has to wait often for our faith to be ready to produce that word. 
I mean, that's just getting into the, the whole concept that's hard for us to believe that we play a part in how our word comes to pass, you know, as well. Romans 4 talks about how Abraham believed, he hoped against hope that God would be able to perform the things that he said. So Abraham's faith was literally working with God and that word about Isaac to bring Isaac into the planet. But we don't think about our role and our responsibility when it comes to our prophetic words because many times we get a word and we're really famous for saying this. I mean, I just told God, I mean, God, you said it, God, you do it. And we don't even think about our, our part to play in that and how our faith can literally push forward the process. You know, when a woman is giving birth, uh, her role in that birth is really, really important. Her ability to push that baby out is a big part of the reason why that baby comes to the planet, you know. Um, and it makes it very difficult on the doctors if she gives up and she just can't do it, you know. Yes, the birth is so happy, but it's much more difficult. It's much, uh, it's much more of a more effective process if the woman works with that birthing process to get that baby here. And so we understand that when it comes to pregnancy and birthing, we have to think about our words very similar to that our part in that process, our faith, our commitment to that word. Literally, your faith creates a momentum behind the word to push it into the planet. Absolutely, because you're the tangible side of the prophecy. Yeah. You are the tangible side because it, in order for it to become visible, uh, there has to be a visible intermediary. And she yeah. talks about that a lot in the prophecy timeline course as well. There has to be that visual intermediary that walks you through the manifestation of that word yeah. because prophecy is coming to change this year yeah. okay so that god's will can be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven so prophecy is about affecting here it's about changing here okay it's not about being you know because we think that i i used to when i first got it i, I was a prophet i thought the coolest thing about being the prophet was the fact that you can hear from god god was like but hearing from me is not the same uh, my word being performed through you, yeah, that's, that's the, same. the same. That's why I made you a prophet. I didn't make you a prophet because you had two ears, okay, and that you had a spiritual ability to discern things beyond whatever senses. He said, that's not why. I made you a prophet so that I can produce things through mm -hmm. you. And I was like, uh, okay, well, I was so, uh, you know, I went back to class, really, <laughs> is what happened. Um, after I got over the fact that, you know, it, it, this didn't make me special. Because that's what's hard about the prophetic awakening experience and, and that gifting season is that you really feel like that you're like the only one. You're in your own special little orb with God, and nobody on the planet is having this experience but you. Nobody's ever encountered God like this but you. You don't understand. Angels are showing up because things are coming in. Blah, 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 blah. I'm seeing signs in the heavens above, wonders in earth below, and all of this amazingness. And, and he does that on purpose to make you a witness. But it's not just unique to you. There's a whole institution of people that God is training and raising up the same way. And it's very, very hard when he rips you from your prayer closet and puts you in the institution with others. Because the first thing that got bruised for me, okay, what I think is what a lot of people get bruised with is your little ego gets bruised. When somebody else says, oh, yeah, he told me that. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Gabe, Mike, the whole note? Yeah, great. And you're like, because he takes profits through that. That's that, that closed chamber meeting that Amos 3.8 is talking about, that communion that she was mentioning about early. He does that to make you a witness, a witness of him, a witness of who he is, and he has to do it that way so that you know that the way the other prophets receive that from God is true. You can validate them, not just because you're reading it in Scripture and you know that that's what the Bible says. You can validate Abraham's encounter because you encountered God. 
That's why God cannot make you a prophet or an officer and even an apostle without having those encounters because you have to witness that every other person he used, their witness is true. And he has to make that witness true, not the, not just historical facts or just by faith because, man, you love God. And it should be true because he said it, but because you have an experiential knowledge, not just a factual knowledge. So he has to take you through that time so that your knowledge becomes experiential and you can begin to understand why this institution is the way it is. And when, you, when those uh, encounters are real, yeah, you, you want to stay with the legacy. You want to back Abraham. You want to back Daniel. You want to back that because you now know, no, 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 they weren't just prophets because they wrote a book in the Old Testament. But because of yeah. the, the witness, their witness about God, I know is true because that is the one who has revealed himself to me. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has revealed this to me. So you have to be, that's the only way you can become a faithful and true witness. Because a lot of prophets have not had that encounter. They may have had experiences where they heard words and they had hunches and impressions and instincts and intuitions, but never had that moment, that same moment that made Abraham said, yes, I, I believe and I will covenant with you for my own seed. That made Moses say, yes, I will go to Egypt and get your people and then come out of that thing and keep these folks for 20, okay, 40 years, rather. Okay. So make me do that. So you have to have that same encounter that allowed Daniel to know what, what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. And what did, they, what did Nebuchadnezzar say about Daniel after he gave that word? He said, but the spirit in you is different. You have the spirit of God or the spirit of the most high. And why they had to say the most high is because at that time, all they knew was God. Everybody was Elohim. But he's saying, no, you found the highest one. You found the one that's better than all these people around here, perpetrating to have some power. But you found the most high and knew that the spirit in him was different and that Daniel tapped into a realm above the realm that all of those magi and soothsayers and all of that were tapping into. He did it so well that he became the ruler of them all. We, we miss the fact that he now had to rule the demonic supernatural Ooh. according to his supernal understanding and relationship with God in the light. He had to run the darkness. Yeah. And he had to be able to run it according to God's righteousness and truth and not according to just his experience or feeling. Because, you know, for us, the God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil. We would have a hard time running the supernatural. Yeah because of our oversimplification of what happens there. But he had to understand God's righteousness and justice and how he rules over the affairs of men. Yeah. And that was very, very key. His prophets didn't start in presbytery lines. They started where Daniel was sitting. And that was the primary reason why God put them in, in power, so that he can literally discern and sift through all of yeah. those voices, all of those gods, and all of those spirits, and still exact the righteousness of the Most High in those situations in the affairs of men. Because most of what we do is discerning yeah. and separating and sorting yeah, yeah, yeah. and creating that dividing line, both apostles and prophets. That's the majority of what you spend time doing more than just hearing and prophesying and, and expressing. In fact, you don't want to speak before you know what God's objective is so that you activate and initiate the right thing. 
and don't put your power behind something else. Because what the enemy loves about novice and new prophets who want to just run out there on the gift and be first is the fact that he can, come on, like Balaam, they can use your mantle for anything. And they exploit, come on, look at the old prophet and the young and the, and the lying prophet. The old lying prophet and the young prophet. He was so excited about getting an assignment. Yeah. Being chose out of everybody to go take this message. He was all on it. What he on? He was all on that gas. He said, listen, I got this. And just knew that his gift was enough. But see, the old lion prophet knew things he didn't know about that office. And said, boy, it's okay. Took advantage of his naivety. That's what untrained prophetics will lead you to. Yes. They take these, these spiritual forces will take advantage of what you don't know, exploit you, and then get you killed. You finish that you do their bidding, and then they get you killed. And they don't even come out to protect you after it's all over. Because where, where was the lion spirit that deceived the little boy? And he didn't show up when the lion was there, did he? And God wouldn't have let him anyway because he was being disobedient. But the reality is that novice prophetics can get you killed. And that doesn't necessarily mean physically. You may have lion may not come out the brush, okay, and, and take you out. But you can end up being taken over by darkness and not know it. And there's a lot of prophets who inadvertently end up pushing demonic agendas and frustrating what the Most High wants to do because of their naivety, because they're flying by the seat of their wit, their intuition, their instinct, their impressions, which they keep forgetting, have been shaped in iniquity. So if you don't go through that consecration process where God separates you, do your backside of Damascus moment, or your time in Midian, or your time in the mountain, okay? They all had to do some, I mean, come on, Abraham had to be out of Babylon a lot of years before God brought Isaac through his womb. He said, bro, I got to do a lot of sanctification. I understand that you believe me. I accepted your covenant, but you were under Babylonian gods for a long time. And he waited a long time for Adam, uh, uh, Abraham, rather, vessel to be purified to bring Isaac through a pure womb that he knew was his and all his, and not a residue or a leftover of something else. Because we saw what happened with Ishmael. He was a residue and a leftover. What else came out? And so, same thing with Keturah's kids, just something else. So God had to literally allow 25 years to go by to sanctify that womb and that seed to guarantee that he would get the purity of the gene and strain he needed for Jesus Christ to keep traveling down the line to get into this planet. So it was important for that to happen. And that's why as prophets, if we're in a hurry, uh, it takes a long time to sanctify your vessel so that your old hurt and pain and wounds and and frustrations and issues and whatever do not meld or blend with your prophetics. Because when they do, you end up like Elisha killing 40 kids with a bear because you have the ability to do so because the gift is yours. But surrendering it to the higher institution and to the higher reason why God has it in the planet takes maturity and responsibility. And that's when you're ready for the office, when you're ready to surrender your gift to the higher reason why it exists, what is sent to establish, what is sent to protect, what is sent to sustain, what is sent to guard, what is sent to defend. When you're ready to surrender your gift to that, you know you're ready for office. When you're still wanting to hold on to and you're still wanting to have a say and wanting to, you can't, uh uh-uh. When your individuality is more important, then you know you're not ready to be an officer. And that's not a slight. 
because there's, there's some of us in here who will never go into politics because we're just not interested in the regulations of our country like that. Just give me my paycheck, give me my house, give me my car, give me my kids and my family, and let me go. I just want to be a citizen in this nation, and I want to go to work and go home or have somebody work and go home so I can get paid and I can eat and I can live. And that's all I want to do. I don't want to take responsibility for America and why it exists and why she stands. That's why people don't all live in D.C. That's why we ain't all running for office. That's why a lot of us don't even want to watch the news. We ain't even going to get involved. In, oh, I don't care about the politics, man. I just, I, you know, I ain't got time. You see, we don't, uh, that's why we don't do it. Because it's not our, we don't feel called to the responsibility for our nation. And that's the same thing in the prophetic. Not every prophet is going to feel called to take the responsibility for the nation of Jesus Christ for his kingdom. We, we just want to be there to encourage, yes. exhort, and edify. Yes. And comfort. Mm-hmm. Do you feel comforted? I'm comforting <laughs> right now. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's such a strong point because if you are a, a, a young prophet out there, and I, I don't even just mean young in age, but just a young emerging prophet where you know that God's awakening those gifts, it's really, really important at this stage in the game that you look for the standards of your field because in every other arena, we look for the standards of our field and we measure ourselves against those standards. But somehow when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to ministerial things, we bring, we, we begin to believe that the standard is personal, that the standard is based on personal expression. So, you know, we, we will jump out there, especially in the prophetic, because we're under this erroneous belief that it doesn't belong to anybody and that it's all for our, all, our own individual interpretation. So we'll jump off on a dream we had. Well, I know God speaks to me, and I know that God's moving me because I've gotten visions. No understanding of the standard of that field. So because you did it that way, you, you start to believe everyone's doing it that way and that no one's doing it better. And we become exposed when God brings out people who have been doing it by the standard the whole time. So it's really, really important that you recognize that there are standards to this field. It doesn't belong to you. It's not individual, and it's not personal. So you getting a dream and a vision isn't enough. God speaking to you in your prayer closet for five years isn't enough. You have to take personal experiences and then begin to measure them by an institutional standard, which the prophetic does have. Anything with a history has a standard. Mm -hmm. So if that's you out there, you've got to stop that. And you've got to go back and you've got to look at what those standards are and begin to measure yourself by a standard that existed long before you ever got a dream or an inkling or an inclination or an impression or an experience at the altar. And you cannot bring your practice of the prophetic down to experience or personal uh, revelation or anything personal. And that's what I think that that's that element why we have very few institutional prophets today because we are all doing it off of our individual prophetic experience and believing that that is enough to launch a prophetic platform and it's not it's not enough and i think that what makes a professional a profession a profession versus a hobby is exactly that yeah because when you decide to you know if you want to sing on the side as a hobby you can sing anytime you want to you can sing any way you want to any song you want to doesn't matter no one's going to care no one's going to regulate it no one's going to have anything to say about it but the moment you decide to say i want to be a professional singer then all of a sudden your agent has to say so about it the record label has to say so about it everybody's telling you, your wardrobe is telling you what you can do the talent scout saying you can do this that, that. Yeah. Uh, so everybody now is telling you because they're bringing you into what they establish as regulation standards yeah. i mean even people who have to dress ways they don't want you 
Now, you take a person that when I was just singing on my own in the clubs around the city, I could do what I want to do. In fact, I had somebody tell me that oh, they ain't going to force me to, to be losing weight and become a twig and do all this because blah, 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 blah. Okay, gets picked gets it, uh, picked up by a record label who's interested in her. And the first conversation is dealing with image and all of this and now regulating what she can do. And not only that, but let her know uh, that the club scene, that's over. Because you're now a professional on our label and we're paying you to do this. Yeah. So the, even the flexibility to want to do it as a hobby, they were like, no, because if we're paying you to do this and we're going to make money off of your voice, Okay, that means you cannot be giving it to no clubs for free because that's our money. That's yeah. our treasury going out there like that. Mm-hmm. So now something as simple as singing that you used to just be able to do any old kind of way is coming under the regulations of the music industry. Because guess what? You're no longer an individual. You are now a professional. And so when you're a professional, you come under the standards of any profession. It doesn't matter what it is. There's very few professions that will not put some sort of regulations on you concerning how you can exhibit your gift and your ability, which is why your gift is your own. You're very right about that. It is your own. It is an endowment. It is something that God gave you. Okay, that is under your auspices and under your control, and it will stay that way as long as you stay in control of it. But the moment that you want to do it to, to, to on a public platform, get paid, get exposed, whatever, boom. And let me tell you guys something that's going to be real shocker, okay, that I had to realize too, even with us as prophets, for all of us who want to be individuals and nobody can tell us what to do or what to say and who do you think you are and all of this, you know what's happening to us? Just by the fact that you open your mouth on any platform and decide to release something publicly, guess who starts regulating on you? The public. Absolutely. So even though we may, you may not want to believe an institution, and you might think that that's way too much, and it's too restrictive, and it killed my anointing, and I, my whole gift just died, whatever the case may be, the moment that you say it, which is why a, lot of, why a lot of people will be on platforms prophetically and then disappear to the coverage. Why? Because the moment they get out there publicly with anything in a thus saith the Lord fashion, the public begins to regulate on that gift. You ain't prophesying here. I don't agree with that word. You're a false prophet. Nobody can cares what you have to say. You think this, that, and the yeah. other thing. You are now being still regulated by something. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice that you would have the safety of an institution? Because that's the difference between us and every other professional. If you come out and say something uh, slanderous about Beyonce, that's not really the truth. Uh, uh, let me tell you something. A crew of lawyers, not just her own, but the ones for the label, the ones for her, her agents personally, and herself will all come after you if it means it's going to possibly destroy her career. Yeah. And that's the difference. You can't just run up and say something about that because they have safety in the institution because the institution is protecting its reason to exist. And that's why we here, you know, Dr. Price is trying to change that for us with Price University by making professionals so we stop being uh, just uh, meat for the slaughter every time somebody opens their mouth because you have people out there exercising their gift any old kind of way. So here you are, you're not even that person. That's not even your standard, but you're judged by somebody else's character and somebody else's whatever because you bear the same name or you have the same abilities, the same title, which is why you now you have people saying, well, I don't really just need the title, it don't matter. Exercise the gift, they still gonna get you. 
Don't matter. Titleless people are still being persecuted for saying uh, saying something in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So think about how harshly we judge people. Woo! Get on a public platform. I mean, we judge people who aren't doing anything but just doing Facebook lives all the time. They have no they have no real actual legitimate position. You know, they just call Facebook lives from time to time. You'll judge them. You know, we're harsh. We're harsh on people. Anybody who takes to any kind of public platform, we hold accountable. So the point is, no, no matter how how you want to categorize it, you're going to be held accountable unless what you're doing with your gift just literally stays with you, your prayer closet. Like, and it never goes to anybody. But right. just give advice to a friend at the local Panera. That friend is going to hold you accountable for the words that you just released over their life. Right. Which is why you have to be circumspect and why they have standards. Because people can be so easily criticized, judged, and certain things so easily destroyed by public opinion, they have to have standards, which is what frustrated us about the whole police officer thing and everything else. What? They should just all go to jail and do this. Uh, that's why they created an industry standard, mm -hmm. because they knew that they were going to come under scrutiny by doing anything for the public. That's what industry standards exist to do, to protect those that want to exercise that ability or that gift in the public. Yeah. Because the public is crazy, okay? And, and, and it's getting more crazy. The more microphones we have, the more cameras there are, the more social media that exists, the crazier it becomes. And also, the less protected. Yeah. Because more and more people's rights are being violated by public opinion and public judgment, which I think is so interesting in an era where we say we're not supposed to be judging. I don't understand it. Like, I'm confused by that. If we're not supposed to be judging, then why is the court of public opinion destroying people's careers and lives and everything on, on the public's judgment of their behavior? Yeah. I thought we weren't judging. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I'll come back to earth when we settle it out, okay, and we work it through in terms of that. want to take a, a, a pause right here, right here and now and just see if we have any questions on the floor or anything that you guys want to know about that. While we're gathering questions, we want to invite you to go ahead and check out our website, www.priceuniversity.org. That's www.priceuniversity.org. We want to invite you to go ahead and check that out right now. Check out the Summer Academy courses that we have up for prophets, intercessors, prophetic types, anyone who, uh, healing and deliverance. You don't have to be a prophet or a prophetic type to need healing or deliverance. It's a great course that Dr. Price does based on her book, 3D, uh, Soul Restoration Plan, Taking Your Life from Distress uh, to Success. And you'll love her method of healing because it doesn't necessarily just start with your pain, but it starts with the problem. Because a lot of healing and deliverance starts with your pain and how you feel, but doesn't really start with what your problem actually is. So it's, it's designed to go after curative treatment and not just, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, passive treatment or, uh, or pain management. Because we don't even realize how much we set up for just pain management and not necessarily something that could be a curative. But you can only cure by starting with the problem and not with the pain, okay? Because what we do at the doctor's office, we go in, we say we have a headache, and uh, we want them to deal with the pain, but they're wanting to deal with the issue. Okay, what have we got? Blood pressure, we got diabetes, what's happening? So we're going to deal with the problem. So we want you to go ahead and visit that. We're talking about $55, okay, ranging from $55 to $100 to, get, to be in something that will change your life. You change your consciousness, you'll begin to change your life. And that's what these courses are designed to do, to change your consciousness so that you can begin to change your life. Any questions out there on the floor while we are at this stage of the Paula Price Show? And if you have questions about classes as well, you can ask those questions 
Also questions about classes, programs, events that we have coming up. Ask us anything that, that you might have. That's a good question. For the self-study courses, they are fixed in terms of the timeline. You have, like, if you have a four-week class, you're going to have something that's due by the end of that week. Um, but for most of the self-study classes, the professors will allow you to turn in work ongoing throughout that whole four-week process as long as that work is in by the time that your class ends. We encourage you to keep up with your class week by week for the self-study because um, you, you don't want to get to that fourth week and literally have to do all of your lectures and everything all at once. Um, but for those self-study classes, um, the, the timeline's a lot more generous in allowing you that time to finish the work within the confines of your class. If you're looking at a non-degree class at the university, something like biblical psychology or one of our practical ministry courses, um, like the Apostolic Christian or other of our practical ministry classes, those are a lot more fixed, and those timelines are pretty hard, hard deadlines. So you have to meet those deadlines in order to successfully pass that course. So for the self-study, more or less, yes, there's some flexibility with how you do your work within the confines of your class, whether it's a four-week class, a six-week class, or an eight-week class. But if you're taking a non-degree class or practical ministry class at the university or even a degree-based class, then those are not self-paced. Those are more on a timeline. And here's the deal, the, the, the self-paced class are not degreed, it's mm -hmm. not, you know, so there's not that kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. So if you don't turn in assignment, okay, it's, it's a, it's, we, we let you know if you passed um, or, or did not pass, okay, but it's not one of those things that, oh my gosh, you know, there's yeah. more in peace if you don't turn in the assignment at that time. Uh, I want to address one thing about the self-study classes that does tend to happen uh, over that four, six, or eight-week period, and that is, what if I register for the class, and then I, my life gets crazy and busy, and the four weeks go by, and I wasn't able to take it, log in, do anything. Oh. Can I take it again later? Can I take it at my own time since I did technically pay for it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the, that is the beauty of the, the, the self-study classes. Um, absolutely. So let's say you purchased that class, and for some reason, life happened, and you just you weren't able to log on to anything. Those classes will come back around, and we can keep your registration for a later time. Okay, so there you go. You can access those later if, it, if the timing and the season in which you purchased it did not work out. Yeah. So here's why you want to do the work. Here's how the self-study class works. Okay, you'll get a lecture. We give you a, a self-edification or life enrichment and assignment that you can do mm -hmm. to enrich yourself in that knowledge and that understanding that you can turn in. If, you're the, uh, if you wanted to get a certificate of completion and you want us to keep record of your courses, because let's just say later down the line you may want those courses to move over into one of our diploma programs or you want to move over into one of our degree programs, you want to turn your assignments in so you can get that certificate okay so that's one of the reasons why you want to do it if you're taking it because you just want to get the information that's fine at the end of the course uh, the four weeks or the six weeks or eight weeks it'll be over you won't get a certificate and you'll have the benefit or the appreciation of just having the knowledge mm -hmm. okay but if you want to have a certificate of completion because you see yourself later down the line um, wanting to possibly do something with your education or uh, work with Price University in a, in a more uh, uh, comprehensive yeah, way yeah. or formal way, then you definitely want to do that. So you'll get a certificate of completion, you'll get a copy of your grade, and you will, we will have a transcript for you if you're in the self-study course. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, like again, it's not credits or degrees, mm -hmm. it's just for you. Yeah. I think we answered it. You had a question. Yes, they are certificate courses. Yeah. 
So I do want to let you know that they are certificate courses. And here's something that you can do with our sub, uh, study courses that a lot of people don't know is that you can also sign up to spend some time with one of our academic advisors to review your coursework and to go through the program with you. There's an additional fee on to it, but you can sit down with that, especially if you're thinking, I want to do something with this. Um, I want to take my self-study courses um, somewhere. Uh, your life may not be able to accommodate a full degree program right now. It just can't accommodate, you know, the, the, the stricter uh, requirements for some of the other programs. But this works for you. That's absolutely fine. Price you is here to partner with you in your education. We want you to conquer your education in any way you need to. Yeah. Self-paced, aggressive-paced degree, non-degree, ordination, licensure, we want to help you conquer your education any way you need to, okay? Yeah. So I hope that answers that person's question. Presbytery lines and ordination and how, how to flow. I will speak for what our institutional standards are here. We just got finished saying that, unfortunately, the universalities of the prophetic, well, they're still coming together. So your pastor may have their own preferences for a lot of things. Um, I saw a church, or I heard of a church, actually it's a, your, a church in your region, your, your area, um, that wanted to be open to the prophetic but didn't want the prophets running wild and didn't know how to get their people necessarily ready to receive prophets and prophecy because we're still not mainstream ministers yet. We're not as prolific as evangelists, pastors, and teachers, even after all this time. So what they actually did, which I, I, I admired the wisdom behind, is that they had a, a sign-up sheet for people who wanted to receive prophetic ministry because the church is huge, okay? There's a lot of people. And we know that Christianity is all over the map, okay, when it comes to how people feel about this sort of thing. So instead of kicking the prophetic out, kicking the prophets out, making the whole thing taboo, they had a sign-up sheet. They have a little uh, a person, like a prophetic, I, I won't call it a prophetic company because they, they didn't roll that deep, and that's too heavy, okay? But they had a little area, spiritual life development area, in which a person who was prophetic said we should be able to offer this to the church. So people can come and sign up to receive prophetic ministry. That was one. Two, the people who signed up to receive the prophetic ministry also had an option to attend a course on prophecy and receiving prophecy and, were in, and, and engaging with the prophet, what they're going to experience, what that's like, educating the audience. Because that's the other challenge is that we get a lot of criticism because they don't educate the audience. So that was, uh, that was number two. Okay, and then number three, the people that they brought in were all ordained. They did not just pull so-and-so up out of the church who, who prays really well. And this one out of the intercessory squad, this one out of the worship team, well, you, I, saw, I see the anointing on your life, so we're going to use you. They made sure that everybody who actually came in to participate in this night of prophecy for the church, and they do it like twice a year, Okay, whoa, they were really big. Okay, but they do it like twice a year. But they did it like twice a year. But they made sure that every person was ordained and that the people who were giving the prophecy were educated. Why is it important that the person who gives you a prophecy in a presbytery line be ordained and educated? Here's why. Because if there's backlash or people don't understand the word, you need to have the education in the background to deal with people's issues, questions, concerns, contentions. And if you cannot 
verify, corroborate, validate, explain, properly interpret your word that you should not be giving them to the public. I don't know. God just gave me that word. So I don't know what to say. I don't know. You don't want those people because that's what's what's, uh, exacerbating the fear that people Mm -hmm. have of wanting to let the prophetic in because we can't give explanations for what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that's point number four. The last point of this is that afterwards, what I would add is that there could be follow-up. So A, you want to make sure every word is recorded because people hear emotionally in those moments. You want to make sure every word is recorded. And then B, you want to give people the option, a card or something, with the information so that they can follow up with that prophet or a prophetic institution that will help partner with these people in their words. Because that's where we get stuck. We just leave them hanging high and dry. And we just leave people out there with, I don't know. And we tell people, like, you think about a church like this who isn't highly prophetic, who doesn't have a highly a high prophetic, uh, you know, a, a, a bench or a stream or any of that thing flowing through their church. They're just trying to accommodate people in their church who kind of feel that sort of thing. So you're talking about an environment like that, and you're, you as a prophet are going to send that individual away and say, hey, I don't know. You go see God. They're like, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't even know what the prophetic is. The first prophecy I ever received in my life. What do I go ask God? I don't know. We're the professionals. So the onus is on us to be able to safeguard the profession and make sure that these people have a professional experience. I hope that answered her question about presbytery lines. Nope. No. Nope. We worked it out for you. So you can still come to DPPI. <laughs> yes, we've already accounted for TPPI uh, in the second session of summer, which is uh, why it's constructed the way it is. It will interfere uh, for your second session. You'll still have your, your program as planned, and your professor just kind of builds that understanding of that TPTI week into your course. So, no, they'll not interfere with your self-study course. So you can still come in June That's right. while you're in the middle of taking your course on Prophecy Timeline. In fact, if you did come in June while you were taking a course like dreams and visions or prophecy timeline or even the junior prophets i want to talk about that too before we wrap today uh it will be a benefit to you because you'll have something live to reinforce your education good question very good question it's a pastor that that has has a (laughs) you see this is is why you can't have the flamethrower on the set that's the nickname that you all gave her, by the way. <laughs> uh, a prophetic pastor is a pastor that has the ability, has prophetic attributes or tendencies, meaning that they can, they probably receive dreams and visions. Yeah. They can possibly hear from God. Uh, they can possibly even give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of understanding on a situation from mm-hmm. time to time, but they don't necessarily walk in that office. That The prophetic pastor that I see on the prophetic next to that pastor means that it's an adjective describing uh, their attributes mm-hmm. and their abilities, okay? But the pastor itself would be the founding office or position, mm-hmm. if that helps that person. Because I know that that's a great question, because a lot of times prophets are kicked out by pastors who say, well, I'm prophetic. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a difference between being prophetic and being a prophet. And being a prophet, there's a difference between that prophetic pastor and the pastoral prophet. Thank you. There's a difference. Right. Because a pastoral prophet has pastoral attributes, meaning that they have shepherding abilities. They have nurturing ability, okay, That that overlay that prophet's mantle. So what that past prophetic pastor has is... Uh, 
prophetic abilities that overlay their pastoral mantle. Yeah. So the way they nurture their sheep and shepherd their sheep may have that edge on it where they bring in the word of the Lord from time to time uh, based on how they counseling, coaching, or the Lord leads them to minister. So that's important. And I love pastors that are prophetic because you are the best first people to help nurture prophets in your church, okay, and understand if you recognize the difference between the two. Because how, the, how, a, how a prophet's going to function is going to be different than a person who is prophetic. Yeah. Okay? And, and if you are a prophetic pastor, get classes on prophecy, like this Prophecy Timeline class or Prophecy God's Divine Communications mm-hmm. Media, a book by Dr. Price on prophecy. Get training and education in the realm of prophecy so that you can better even understand yourself and how the Lord uses you from time to time when that overlay of those attributes merge with your pastoral anointing or your pastoral position. Those are the questions. Very good. So that gives us an opportunity. Thank you. And if you have more questions, you can uh, go ahead and uh, put them online. We'll go ahead and answer those as well. Those were very good ones um, because I know that a lot of people want to know that about their pastors, about their leaders, what happens when you have, you know, your apostolic and you, uh, that overlays your mantle and attributes. That's one uh, reason for me to make a shameless plug about the standardized ministry assessment so that you can understand fully what that means and how to identify yourself and what those attributes show up like in different mantles. Because different mantles' attributes can show up on top of your position or your office, okay, in terms of how you express yourself and move in and out of them. But the office will always take precedence over the expression and over the gift. But you can take an assessment. We have them on various levels now. You can check those out at www.ppmglobalresources.com, or you can go to Dr. Paula A. Price, correct? Absolutely. So you can go to drpaulaaprice.com, check out the assessments if you're wanting to know, kind of, I don't know. There are times that I feel like I flow prophetically. Other times I feel like I flow pastorally. Sometimes I feel like I'm a teacher, but then other times I feel like I'm very apostolic. Mm -hmm. If you want to kind of figure out where you are in those dynamics and how that fuses together and works through you, I highly encourage you to take the assessment. Okay, visit drpaulaaprice.com. While you guys are formulating some more questions for us here, on this edition of the Paula Price Show, yes, with Prophet Donald Price and Prophetia Peterson. No Dr. Paula Price, no Prophet Ashley Glater. But they will be back next week to bring you more of the wisdom and uh, knowledge and understanding about God in your life and his kingdom next week. So just know that she will be here, and she'll be ready to take your questions. She'll be ready to impart uh, some things into you in her exert training moment. So we'll be looking forward to having both of them back okay, in the studio. All right, so the, the last piece I think will be good to talk about is something that uh, Prophet Adia has um, literally dedicated all of her ministerial life to, and that is raising up children in the ministry. She has a very unique passion and calling to not just be a Sunday school teacher. She did start off like that, just kind of jumped in, and, and, and I'll let her share her own part of the story, just jumped in and, and, and did the job. But over the years, as she was being trained as a prophet, developed a huge passion for raising up kids to know their fivefold ministry office yeah. as children. Uh, her philosophy and, and understanding of that is 
we have no problem identifying our kids as singers and sports players and lawyers and doctors when they're five and six and seven and eight and 10 and 12 years old, but we don't know what to do when they are, they literally have a genuine call to a five-fold ministry position. So she's uh, developed a curriculum and a whole structure for how to raise up kids who are genuinely called to that arena. And so you can see one of the courses on here is dealing with junior prophetics or prophetics for young people. And I want her to take an opportunity to share about that today. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, there are, there are so many kids and teens who they have such a passion for serving God. And a lot of times we don't mean to, but we will damper that passion by encouraging them to really pursue other things, um, to use their passion for God as kind of a side item and pursue something real and, and concrete. So there's so many young people who are who God is tapping right now, they're going to be the future of you and I. You know what I mean? They're gonna be they're going if we can get them now, they'll curtail all the time even some of you spent now you're in your forties, your fifties and now you realize I really want to be on fire for this thing that God has given me. But what if somebody had helped you when you were 14 and you had that desire so that you could literally have been a servant of God your entire life where that was what you dedicated your life to. And there are a lot of young people who are crying out to God to use them. And this is the moment in your child's life that they're crying out for you to foster that. You've got to foster the fire. If you, you, you know if you have a kid in your house or a teen in your house that is supposed to be one of God's priests. You know, and it's so, so important that you recognize that in them as you would recognize anything else, and you help them become the servant of God that they're meant to become. Um, you know, that kid that separates themselves, that, you know, they're interested in godly things. They always have been. Don't try to encourage them to push themselves out into other fields. Foster that. Help them understand what it is early to be a priest of God. You know, in my children's church program, um, we talk about everything, commitment, dedication, sanctification, holiness. I say time and time again on my children's program, Saturday morning kids, that, that your age is not an excuse. You know, I, I, I make my kids hold the line. You know, if they're not being committed, I'll ask them, what, where have you been at? Like, where's your Bible time? They're nine. I don't care. Where is your Bible? Where is your Bible time? Because the reality is if, that, if God wants to use them, it's our responsibility to help empower this generation to be ready to be used by God. So the summer course, I'm so excited about this course. Um, we'll offer it both sessions. Um, so it's divine communications for the young prophet and Really, I mean, it's a course, so they need to be teens. Uh, if they're going to take it and they're young, they need to be teens. It's, it's also for young adults as well. But we're going to be going through Prophecy, God's Divine Communications. I want to really help that young minister. And they can just be even have a call to ministry and take this class as well. But to, for them to understand the importance of how God communicates, because the earlier we can help them hear from God, the better, because when they begin to then branch out into their adulthood, they become relying, reliant upon the word of the Lord. So divine communications for the young prophet is going to really teach uh, your young person or your young adult or that emerging prophet how to recognize prophecy, how to, recon- how to, how to recognize how God divinely communicates with us, the importance of that, um, so that they can begin to apply that to how God is tapping them. So I'm really excited about that. Very and good. if I can, while I'm on that, just say, 
that at the Post Prophetic Training Institute, I really want you to bring your young people. The, the, the track program for teens is 13 to 17. That's really the age that we're asking, asking for. Um, if you have someone that's a little younger than that, you can email us and, and ask some special permission to bring them in on the sessions. But 13 to 17 is about the age that we're really desiring because we want to help teens really come into their prophetic place. And so we are doing a Young Prophets track at this year's PPTI. It's in June, June 20th to the 23rd. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're on the line, if you're watching this now or later, and you have a young person, and you really want them to find out what am I called to do, bring them yes. to the session, because we're going to talk about purpose, prophetic purpose. They don't have to be just called to be prophets. We're going to talk about prophetic purpose, mm -hmm. and them understanding that God wants them to be asking him these questions right now. By the time they get 18, that's not the moment for them to start asking. We want to teach them to ask right now, to be on their face, to be seeking God, to say, God, what did you make me for? And helping them to learn how to hear that. Because a lot of the questions I get from young people, I do the children and the teens in our ministry. And the biggest thing, do you all want to know the biggest thing that kids and teens ask me? How to hear God. They ask me, how do I know he's speaking to me? Your kids want to hear from God themselves. And a lot of the time I spend with them is teaching them how to be in prayer and quiet time with God so that they can actually hear. Because that is one of the major things that I get asked from young people. But how, how, Ms. Medea, how does God speak? How do you know he's speaking? And I always ask them back, well, when you were in prayer with him, did you give him time to speak? And most of the time the answer is, <laughs> no, I didn't. I mean, I said my prayers and I was done. And so just even teaching them just those realities, those yeah. practical realities of sitting with God about long enough to get a word and then believing that God would want to give them something. So I'm, I'm, I'm a youth advocate. I believe in this next generation, and I believe in the Samuels and the Debras and the Jaels and the Isaiahs and the Jeremiah that God is raising up right now. Because I'm telling you, if they're a future Samuel, God's already got them tapped. Yes. If they're going to be a future prophet to this generation, guess what? God tapped them now. Yes. He knew all along from the beginning. So it's important for us to invest in those beginning stages of their development. Well, we do it now. You know, you, you, we see these, these reality TV shows on television like um, uh, uh, Dance Moms and all of that, and they're driving these kids hard. They're driving these kids hard. They're pushing them into, uh, you know, these, this career because they want their kid to be the best dancer. They want them to have uh, an opportunity to go all the way up, yeah. you know, to some whatever dance company. And they're, I mean, they got to rehearse and they got to practice and they can't get any rest. They got to do it before school and after school and during school. Yeah. And, okay. And they got to eat like twigs and they got to have, and we're regulating on them. Yeah. But then the moment, and, and you know, when our kids say we're going to go to ministry and we say, okay, you got to read your Bible every night. You got to spend so much hours in prayer. You can't come to Sunday school without your journal. You got to make sure that you have your act together. We all of a sudden say, well, like, this That's is hard. That's just too much. And it's just so much pressure on my kids. But yet they're, yet, okay. <laughs> okay. But yet you don't mind them killing themselves for the peewee league and for come soccer on. and for football and for their potential basketball career. Because why? You see the tangible reward of that in the earth. Yeah. But something in which they can do for the very world that we all believe in called eternity yeah, in this now, uh, you know, we, we kind of literally steer our kids away from that and say that there'll be time in their life yeah. to get serious with God. Yeah. But how many of you know that many of our young people are being taken out by the droves? They don't have as much time as we did. Yeah. Okay, and I'm, an, I'm, I'm a generation Xer, and now we got a new name. It's called something else, Xer Millennial or something. 
But anyway, they just renamed us, and they're going to keep doing it until we can figure out, you know, who these people are. But the reality is that they don't have as long as we do, okay, to, to, to literally live. Kids are being taken out by the droves. So we need to start encouraging our kids to take God seriously now. I want to tell you something. When I was, the, when I was a child, because my, Dr. Price always taught me to take God seriously, it saved me from a world of things. Prayer, my ability to pray kept me out of trouble in school, and not because I was a trouble for some kid, but because trouble often came looking for me, okay? I got into a situation and circumstance where a young lady and myself had a misunderstanding about my friendship with a, a guy that she was interested in. He and I were just really good friends, but she wanted to be more than that, okay? And we're talking about eighth grade nonsense here, and what did she say? Okay, me and my friends are going to jump you after school. Let me tell you something. This sister girl here didn't have no crew, didn't have no nothing, but I did have the ability to pray. And I went into the bathroom and I said, God, I need you to help me in this situation. I was like, this cannot happen. And I'm sitting here and I'm terrified because I'm sitting there thinking I will not be beat down and bullied and all of this at this school. And all I knew how to do was call on the name of Jesus. And God, in his infinite wisdom, raised up a situation that caused all of that to be squashed. And, and, and what's ironic is when you get on Facebook, these people are your best friends today. And so it, okay, it worked out. But the ability to pray is so important that our kids are, take God seriously now. And we, we, we stop pushing that off for them until the time we feel like it won't rob them of their youth mm-hmm. and rob them of their adolescence. I think it's a a travesty that we earnestly believe that too much time in church for a kid will rob them of their fun, will rob them of their youth, and rob them of their life being. What's ironic is that we try to keep our kids out of church so they can have fun, and then as adults, when we're all dilapidated, deteriorating, and falling down, we're running to the church to try to save the last bit of fumes we have on this planet. (laughs) And I think that that's important to say. Absolutely, and and I think that's something that, uh, Dr. Price has really has really addressed on this program, and it really warrants bringing it back up now. Um, and she has said this even to our young people and to the parents of our young people, is that you're assuming that if you're not inundating them with God, that they're not being inundated, that they're not being impacted by anything. Understand, your kids are getting an education by the devils of this culture, period. So if you are not equipping them, so literally as Christian parents, then we're withholding spiritual education from our children and spiritual, we're, we're withholding, uh, immersing them mm-hmm. in God's world, somehow thinking that they're not getting an education from the gods of this culture. So then, they're, then we're sending them out and they're completely ill-equipped. So your kid that you're holding back God from is being exposed to all of the demonic activity of this world and culture, and they have no recourse. At the very least, can we equip our kids with spiritual equipment to be able to fight back? Because every time we send them to the school, every time we send them to any place to hang out with their other friends and, all, and have all those influences, any time we send them to face the world, well, they have to face off with the devils of this culture and the devils and the demonics of this world. And we send them out not equipped with any kind of spiritual understanding, warfare, anything. That's a problem. 
problem. So this is something I believe that God is really raising up people like myself, people already. Dr. Price has been a voice in this generation for the last 30-something years to say we have got to care about how we're equipping our kids for God. And we cannot use that excuse that giving them too much Jesus is going to somehow uh, make, make them unaware or, or unprepared for the realities of this world. Let me tell you something. They're going to get the realities of this world regardless. So you might as well give them enough Jesus so that they can combat those things. Well, you want to give them your versions of the realities of this world through the eyes of Christ and not yeah. the eyes of culture and demonism. This device right here has already ruined that uh, opportunity for you. If you think your kids are living a sheltered life and they own one of these, you are really walking in a parental deception of uh, mass proportions because this device is their gateway to anything in this world. And if you're not regulating it, you're not watching it, you're not looking at what's on this thing, I mean, my gosh, we got blown away at what the youth can get themselves into. Christian youth, good kids that are going to church on Sundays, you know, whatever, all of that, this device is their gateway to anything. So you want to start giving them the understanding of culture and what they're facing through Jesus' eyes. We have time for one more question, okay? And I think that Rachel says we have one on the floor. All right, day one, because the, the, the reality is your, your child, think about how you develop them for education and culture from day one. You have things in their music, nursery, music, yeah. things that they can touch. And so I tell parents day one, you know, we have curriculum from nursery up, you know, because the music that they listen to, what they absorb, um, their world is speaking to them. So you, you want to develop them. Begin by just develop, developing them for God, period. Their ministry gifts will come out of that. You know, you'll begin to understand what it is that they're called to do. So you begin by that dedication and developing them for the Lord and for his purposes from day one. And then as you're guiding them in that relationship with God, their ministry gifts will come out. And as soon as you begin to recognize them, you begin to develop them as the Lord leads. So there really, to me, isn't too young of an age. I mean, I, I, I teach voice professionally. I have parents that will come to me and will say, well, my my kid's three and they sing all the time, or they too young, you know, so when it comes to the, the other gifts and abilities, you know, you know parents are, are ready to go. They want to develop their child. They want to cultivate that gift. So I would say there's really no age that's too young. As soon as they're, you're developing their sensory abilities, begin flooding them with God, the Holy Spirit, the teachings of God, so that they can become accustomed to really dealing with God and recognizing him. And there's no age limit on those yeah. callings. You know, uh, they, they, they're without repentance. They started early. It was because of how Samuel was nurtured that when God was ready to tap him for service that he could respond. And then having a person over him to tell him, oh, you should be responding to God. And if your kids are hearing something from God, you want to encourage them yeah. to, to, uh, to go with that. Yes, listen. Write it down in your journal. And come back and tell me. Don't let them have a spiritual experience and walk without your involvement. Yes. Just like you're involved in their secular education, you want to be involved in their ministerial growth process as well, just as heavenly, because the enemy tries to come in from all different places, and kids are so uh, susceptible, and, and there's a lot, you know, when we're talking about discernment. But don't use it as a reason to discourage them from getting into the spiritual. Mom, Dr. Price never discouraged me from getting into the supernatural, getting involved in the spiritual. She steered and guided the process all along. 
no baby, that was not a, that was not a God dream. That was this, that, and the other. Or yes, honey, write that down in your yeah, journal and good. keep that. Okay, well, let's read this passage together. And she always answered my questions. And so she didn't allow it to become a source of fear because you have to be careful how you respond to them because you can make them afraid, especially if they are prophetic. I was highly prophetic. I got saved at four by myself. But don't tell anybody. Okay, that's our secret. But um, I did on my own, and, and God literally just came for me. And I didn't even know what the preacher was really saying. I remember one thing. He just said, if you want to change your life, you should come down here. Why I went, I don't know. I'm for What about my life needs to change? I don't know. Okay, and how I could reg- register that or resonate with that, that was an all God. I think that the spirit in us does cry, Abba Father. Yeah. And so I went down there, and from that point forward, boom. And then after uh, Dr. Price, uh, you know, came into God, got dramatically delivered and all of that. Well, she came into God at home, then they got dramatically delivered at church. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost around the same time. And so she said, when you got up off the ground speaking in tongues yourself, no one taught you, no one told you, I don't even know, you could prophesy. And she never made me afraid of it. She just steered it and educated me and sat me down to talk about those things. We don't make our kids afraid to have sex, and there's STDs up the wazoo surrounding it, okay? We don't make them afraid to date, and people can be taken away and kidnapped and pulled into all kinds of dangerous situations, but we don't necessarily make them afraid to do that. And as a result, guess what? They, You know what I mean? They go out there brazen and getting themselves into all kinds of stuff. We don't need to make them afraid of Jesus Christ either and what they can become in him. So I think that there is no age limit. If you're, more, if you're interested, if you have a child that is um, uh, manifesting abilities and producing uh, 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 things, you know, of that nature on that line, I would encourage you to go visit uh, Prophet Agia's website, get more information. That is what she does um, for the ministry. She is the prophet to our youth, and she's been raising them up. She does advisement sessions. She does prayer calls. She will also do counseling sessions with you as a parent about how to do it. So I want to encourage you to go visit her site. What's your website? RaisingSamuel.com. RaisingSamuel.com. So go check that out. There's more information up there. She has a lot of materials, articles, and all those types of things if you're doing it. And even greater still, if you want to find out if this is your kid, bring them to the TPTI. Yes, bring them. Okay? And that's June. Yes. TPTI is a great way to close out. Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, uh, DrPaulaAPrice.com. Visit her site today, right now. Don't delay. Click events June 20th through the 20th. Third, it is going to be powerful. Dr. Yes. Price is going to be speaking all day Thursday. Dr. Allspears from the Portland area is going to be with us. Our very own Chief Prophet Tal is going to be teaching. Listen, y'all, you don't want to miss this. Prophet Ashley Clay is going to be teaching in the evenings. I'm going to be doing the youth sessions in the evenings. Uh, our other prophets, Dr. Olson and Prophet Tal, are teaching in the evenings as well. So it's going to be a powerful event, and you don't want to miss it. The 20th through the 23rd, you can get all the information at drpaulaaprice.com. Yes, yes, yes. So we encourage you to come out, bring your prophetic companies, bring your classes. Um, and if you are looking to get your prophetic company certified, we do do that. You know, with Price University, there is a program and opportunity for that. You can come out in June, bring your team with us, and yes. we will help you do that. Because a lot of times you want to know that everybody in your organization has been developed and trained so they can keep your organization safe. So that's another reason to come out. We have prophetic companies, classes, ministry teams, yes. all of that. Join us. We have quite a few groups coming in this year. Very excited about it. We're dealing with the prophetic in present tense. Our goal is to equip you for God's future. 
We're not looking into the now. We're, we're actually looking at the now and knowing that it's subject to change. We see a lot of horrible things happening, a lot of persecution. There's a lot of things we can say about our culture and what's invading the church, but we know that the things that are seen are temporary, and why? Because we can change them. But we can't change it without a plan, and we can't change it without knowledge, training, and understanding. So come to be prepared for God's future. God's future, your future, your children's future, and the future of your ministry, the future of your hope in our kingdom. So that's what we want to encourage you to do. And on that note, we want to say thank you for watching and staying with us today on this edition of the Paula Price Show. Dr. Paula Price will be back next week with Prophet Ashley Clater right here in-house. We might come back for a visit, too, for sure. Your uh, Prophet to the Youth will be on the ground with you next Thursday. So we want to encourage you to tune in right here at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, yes. Periscope, Facebook. We love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. And we will talk with you again soon. God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.